good morning again. Uh, I am super excited about the, uh, this whole grace bomb series and, and the whole concept of grace bombing. You know, after hearing Pat talk last week, I was I was ready to go. Um, I told Jordan, I think I saw him at Starbucks the next morning. I was just ready to go right after he was done. So I'm, I'm excited to to see what God's going to teach us this morning. Um, you know, I just think it's you know, it, it is what we as a legacy are. You know, this, this is kind of right up, right up our alley. Um, the idea of, of grace-bombing people, the idea of showing his love, of being, of being God's hands and feet, of fulfilling the Great Commission um, to, to go and make disciples. So, so I'm really excited. There's a lot of stuff we have to cover today. Uh, Pat, Pat kind of gave me some, some things I had to cover. So we're, we're going to get what they, they're definitely involved here. Um, but then he also gave me some license to kind of expound on that a little bit. So, so let's just let's just jump right in. Uh, I just want a quick recap uh, for those that weren't here last week and aren't sure what this whole grace bomb thing is about. So, as Pat talked about last week, I think the biggest thing we need to remember is that grace built people, grace bomb people. Uh, and, and the way he explained it last week, it means that you know Christ died for me and for you. Right? He died on the cross for us. He, it's something he didn't have to do but he still chose to do it because he loved us so much and he shows his grace to us. So as Christ followers, our responsibility is to then take that gift and give it to others. And the, and the, and the easiest way to do that is through our actions, through how we love other people, through dropping grace bombs on people. So, so that, that was the, the main message I got from what Pat was saying last week. It is our responsibility to to grace bomb people, to, to, to show Christ's love when, when, we, when we do these acts of, of kindness. And I, I want to be fray, careful saying that because he, he talked about there's a big difference between just acts of kindness and what grace bombing is. But, but when we grace bomb people, it's, it's our way of showing others who Christ is and who, how Christ has changed us. You know, so how we do this, right, he said last week, is by loading, listening, and letting her go, right? So... We need to be loaded, right? We need to be loaded with these, with these cards, right, that, that we all got last week, and there's a whole bunch still in the lobby, right? We need to be loaded. It's a conscious effort every morning when we get up to have some, to have some in our pocket, to have some in our car, wherever it is, so that we're ready to go. We're loaded. We're ready to go because I think when we're loaded with these cards, right, we are now listening to the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're making a conscious choice throughout the course of the day is, okay, I have this card. All right, now I'm going to listen to the, Holy, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Right, and I think what I found in my life is when I am ready, when I'm loaded, when I'm ready to go, and in the life of our family, when we made a decision to consciously try to do acts of love for other people, is that I can hear God's voice a lot louder in my life. I can hear him telling me, hey, this person needs this, this person needs that. It doesn't always have to be a monetary gift, right? Sometimes you just can be the person who they just need a listening ear, right? That, that's, a, that's a grace bond of people. Think about it. You go through the course of the day. How often do you really sit and listen to somebody who's going through a hard time? You don't have to have the words, right? You don't have, to have the right words to say. Sometimes you have to listen, okay? So, so we're loaded. We're listening for the Holy Spirit to direct us in the way that he wants to direct us. And, the, and really, those two are the easy part, right? It's easy to grab these off your dresser, put them in your pocket. It's easy to listen to the Holy Spirit. 
the hardest part in all this is the, is the let her go part, right? Because that requires action, right? That requires us to step out of our comfort zones, right? To go talk to the person who God is directing us to talk to or to go, you know, provide food to somebody who needs food because God's telling me to go do it, right? So that's the hardest part in all this. But if we don't let her go, if we don't drop the grace bombs, others aren't going to experience his love. They're not going to experience his grace. So we have to be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. Who dropped a grace bomb this week? Right? If he did, that's awesome. Right? And we want you to share the stories. Right? Go to gracebomb.org. It's a very simple website. Right? There's, there's no bells and whistles and stuff. There's a thing on the bottom to, to submit your stories of, of, of how you dropped the grace bomb. Right? Pat, when we had dinner with Pat the night before, hearing his stories and how he hears the stories, that you can see that fires him up, right? That gets him excited for what God's doing through the, the, grace, the grace bomb movement, as he calls it. So post your stories. Tell, us, tell, tell him what you did. Tell us what you did. We'd love to get to a point to be able to accum- accumulate all the stories that God, how God used grace bomb in Greenwood and the surrounding areas. So just feel free, gracebomb.org, and share your story. Now the next question is, who didn't? I'm not asking you to raise your hands, but you can if you want. Right? But I'll be, I didn't this week. Right? And, and what I think as I, was, as I was thinking about and praying it is if, if you didn't, right, if I didn't, right, what stopped you? Right? What stopped me? And I think there are two reasons why we don't. And I think the first one is sometimes there's not an opportunity. You could be trying to listen to his voice. You could be more aware of other people around you. But maybe God just didn't give you the opportunity to drop a grace bomb on somebody. Right? And that's okay. Right? I know when I left here last Sunday, I, I knew what I felt like I needed to do. Right? So you see, every morning, most mornings, I get up at 4.30 in the morning. I go work out with a group called F3. And, and we work out. It's outdoors regardless of weather. My wife and kids think I'm crazy, but we do this every morning. And we're at various locations throughout Greenwood, but one of the locations is the Civic Center. So for the last two weeks or so, there's been, who, there's been a, a man who I assume is, dis- is displaced in the gazebo. He's been there with a backpack, sleeping or just quietly ignoring us as, as we're working around him. And he's been in the gazebo. And I'm like, all right, last week I left church. I'm like, sweet, this week I'm going to grace bomb him. So I go to Bojangles. I get a gift card because it's the closest restaurant to the Civic Center. And I go to the next workout, and I'm going to give him the Bojangles card. I'm going to give him the grace bomb card. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. But we show up the next time for workout, and he's not there. All right, now I'm bummed. I'm like, oh, God, I thought you told me to do this. But... As I, was lo- as I was preparing for this message, I'm like, all right, so I believe God gave me this, put it on my heart, so I just didn't have the opportunity. Does that mean I don't continue to try to do it? No. I want, I'm gonna, I'm every morning from now on when we go there, I'm going to be prepared to grace bomb this guy. Right? And hopefully through this, we'll be able to establish some kind of relationship with him. So I think if lack of opportunity 
was the reason why you didn't have an, the ability to drop a grace bomb this week, it's okay, right? There's no time frame on when we can drop these grace bombs. When the series ends in five weeks, it's not like, okay, we're done with this, right? The whole idea is to continue to do that, to make it become part of our life. But I think the second reason, and probably the most common reason, is fear. The fear of not knowing what to do. Okay? And what I learned about fear in my life when, we st- when, when I started trying to be more in tune to God is that when I let fear run my life, it robs me of seeing what God wants to do. And it robs God of doing his work. Right, so fear, fear, fear is a, a big reason why we, we don't step out of our comfort zone, comfort zone. So I want you to listen to this example of how fear robbed me of an experience that God wanted me to see. So a long time ago, Ashley and I went to Grandfather Mountain for our first anniversary. It was a long time ago. Uh, we were married 20 years in June. So who's ever been to Grandfather Mountain in North Carolina, right? Great, beautiful place. So it was a beautiful day, and Grandfather Mountain has this swinging bridge. Okay, I hate heights, right, hate heights, so Ashley's not afraid of heights, so I'm like, all right, so the bridge is 80, spans an 80-foot chasm, it's a mile off the ground, 228 feet long, doesn't sound like much, right, but it looks like this, right, so I look at this bridge, I go, there's no, who in the right mind is going to cross this bridge, not me, but I'm like, all right, I'm the husband. We're on our first anniversary. I guess I got to do this. So cross the bridge we go to the other side. We get to the other side, and who knows how long we spend on the other side, but long enough for me to forget I got to cross back across this bridge. So when we start to head back, I see the, I see the bridge, and fear just grips my heart. And I'm like, there is no way I'm crossing back over that bridge. And all I could see in my head was this bridge falling and me dying. Ashley probably thought we'd have to get a helicopter to get me off. <laughs> I literally almost crawled back across the bridge, right? And she said she would have crawled with me, so that's love. <laughs> but somehow we, we made it across the bridge. I, I waited till nobody else was there so I could run as quickly as possible to get across this bridge. But the point is, my fear robbed me of the experience of what God wanted me to see that day. And it's the same thing when we ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit telling us to grace bomb somebody. Right? It robs us of the experience that he wants us to be a part of for that day. Right? Because remember what Pat said last week, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God went ahead of us into that situation. Right? When he calls you to go speak to that person or to go provide a meal to the person who needs a, who needs a meal or just to go talk, God's already went ahead of you and prepared, your, prepared the way for you. So fear has no place. We have to remove the fear from our heart and be obedient to God's voice. All right, before continuing, I need to be honest here. For those of you who've been there, the bridge really looks like this. All right. 
But in my mind, it looked like the other one. And there was no way I was crossing over that bridge. And if you want the rest of the embarrassing details, Ashley can tell you after service. But, um, and I might have embellished some of the details of the story. But I think the point is, right, fear lets us see things that aren't real. Right? Sometimes we don't want to go talk to the person that we don't know because, heck, we don't know what, what they're going to do. Right? We don't want to go talk to the person who, who's homeless or looks to be homeless because, hey, maybe, maybe they're on drugs. Right? Maybe they have a weapon. Right? Or who knows? Right? So we conjure up the worst possible scenarios, and we let fear dictate how we respond to God's word. We have to rid our minds and our hearts of fear. All right, now, the other thing you have to understand is when you, when, you do listen, when, you have, when you do listen to God's word and you actually are obedient to it, you're not always going to have instant success. I think a lot of times what happens, I've seen it in my life, is I'm obedient to God's word. He goes, tells me to do something. I do it. But it's not the result I wanted. But that doesn't matter because it's the result that God wanted. Might be me being obedient. Or one example I have is one night we went out for dinner. We're driving home. For some reason, we drove two separate cars to the restaurant. So, we're, so Ashley had the boys. They were driving home, and I was driving home in the other car. We're going down 72. And I had food, leftovers in the, in the, in the passenger seat. Well, I drove by uh, a man who was obviously uh, displaced, didn't have anywhere to live. He was pushing a, pushing a, um, a grocery cart. And I felt like God said, hey, he needs your, he needs your leftovers. I'm like, all right, sweet. So I pull into Walgreens, stop. He's right there. I offer him my food. He doesn't want it. I'm like, dude, it's food. Just take it. Well, for the next 20 minutes, I hear his conspiracy theories about the local police, right? I'm like, gosh, God, that was a failure. But it's not. Because who knows what me stopping or who knows what the interaction stopped. Maybe he was going to go do something drastic. And through our interaction, it prevented him from doing that. Right? Or maybe he planted a seed for his life for later on. All right, so just because you don't see instant success when you drop a grace bomb on somebody doesn't mean it was a failure. Right? And it doesn't mean to stop doing it. We just have to be obedient to his word and trust that Every time we, we drop a grace bomb, be it we see an instant success or we don't, we're, f- we're being obedient to God's word and we're planting seeds for that person. So, so, trust, to trust, so trust in the Holy Spirit's voice when he tells you to drop grace bombs. All right, so there are plenty of stories in the Bible of people who were called to drop grace bombs, but fear stopped them or delayed them in doing so. All right, so this morning we're going to look at one man by the name of Gideon whose story is in Judges chapter 6 and 7. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or on your phone, you can. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6 and 7 for the rest of the morning. Um, Some historical context of the time. So the Israelites were under control by a group of people called the Midianites. And God allowed the Midianites to control the Israelites for seven years because the Israelites did evil and sinned in the eyes of God. So if, if, you, if you remember your Old Testament time, you know the Israelites just kept repeated, the repeated process of, of sinning, coming back to God for a period of time, then sinning again, and so on, so on down the line. So this time, 
God turned, hands him over to the Midianites for a period of seven years. <laughs> and the Midianites were not great people. They oppressed the Israelites severely. They killed their livestock, ate their crops, and pretty much ravaged their land. So finally, the Israelites cried out for help to God, and he sends Gideon. And that's where we pick up the story in, in chapter 6, verse 12. So chapter 6, verse 12 um, says this. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I've never experienced God calling me that, right? And I'm sure if God did, I have a similar response as Gideon, like, yeah, me? Right? I'd be looking around to see if anybody else is around there because there's no way he's calling me a mighty warrior. And Gideon feels the same way because you see in verse 13, he says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You see, God grace bombs Gideon in verse 12 by calling him a mighty warrior. Right? He is beginning to plant the seeds in Gideon's heart to fight the Midianites. Right? He's trying to give him the confidence of, hey, you're going to do this. And you're going to do this because I'm with you. Right? So he's trying to encourage him, calling him a mighty warrior, things that he doesn't believe in himself. And I think a lot of us can relate to this conversation because God tells us to go do something, and we question God. We're like, I can't do that. Right? And the problem is when we refocus our, on our inadequacies. We focus on, I don't have the words to say. Or, I don't have the skills to do that. Or I, I just don't feel like I can do that, period. All right, so we're focusing on the inadequacies. God is looking at our strengths. Right? He's looking at who he created us to be. So he sees Gideon as this mighty warrior. Gideon sees himself as nothing. So God realizes, hey, I need to build this guy up to do the work that I want him to do. God does the same thing with us, right? <laughs> he might put you in uncomfortable situations, but he's not going to leave you alone. Right? He's going to be with you in the uncomfortable situation. <laughs> right, so... It's like, so you, he probably told you to grace bomb someone this week and you questioned him. You thought, hey, someone else would do it. Or I don't know what to say. What happens if they don't need help? There's a million other excuses. But we have to remember, <clears throat> he went before you. He prepared the way for you to have this encounter with this person who needs to feel his love and his grace. He's going to continually be with you, just like he's continuing with Gideon as we continue on with the story. So in verse 14, it says this, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? You see, so in verse 13, right, Gideon asks God a question. Right? He's like, hey, why, why is all this happening? Does God answer his question in verse 14? Not really, right? He just tells him, hey, I'm, he ignores that. And he's like, hey, go, go and do it anyway. Right? It's like your parents when you were little, or if you're a kid, right? You might ask a parent a question, like, hey, just because I said so. 
right? God saying, hey, go because I tell you to do it. Don't ask questions. I'm telling you to go, right? So God tells Gideon, just go. Gideon asks God why. God responds, says, go. And not only go, because God knows when Gideon goes, he's gonna, Gideon's going to see the fruits of going. He's going to see how God is going to use him to defeat the Midianites. He's going to see how God is going to use him to be that mighty warrior. Right? God doesn't want to give us all the information up front. It doesn't take a lot of obedience on our part if we have all the details. Because, I mean, if we know the result, of course we're going to do it. But if we don't know the result, then that takes faith to walk with God through the process. So God just tells Gideon, go. He tells us, just go. Don't ask the questions. I tell you to go. You go. Right? But Gideon, still not enough for Gideon. He's still going to argue with God. Right? Verse 15 says this. It says, but Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Gideon's still focused on his weaknesses and his inadequacies. He still doesn't see how God sees him. He still doesn't see the strengths that God has put in him to do his work. Right? Gideon can't save Israel himself. Just like you and I can't go grace bomb people ourselves. Right? God has to go with us, just like God went with Gideon. Right? He reminds us this in Joshua 1.5, and he says, I'll be with you, I will not leave you or forsake you. Again, he goes with us. He will provide the resources. He will provide the words. He will provide whatever you need in this situation if you're being obedient to him. You have to trust in that. Scary, yes. The first time you do it, you're like, gosh, I don't know what to go say to that person. Just go and do it. God's going to help you. Right? He's going to help you work through the situation. You just have to trust and, and be obedient when you do it. Continue with the story in verse 16. It says, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Again, so God's trying to continually prove to Gideon, I'm going to go with you. Continually give him the, the confidence that Gideon's not going alone. Remember, fear is no place in our lives as Christ followers. And God was telling Gideon, There's, fear has no place in your heart right now. I'm going to be with you. Right? The, the creator the, 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 the creator of our earth goes with us. The man who died on the cross for our sins goes with us whenever we go grace bomb people. We have to remove the fear from our heart. The funny thing to me after reading verse 16 is I would think that Gideon was just ready to roll. Hey, we're going. All right, God's going with me. I got no problems. Whatever he wants me to do, I'm going to go. But Gideon's still not there yet. Right? He's still not ready to go. And I'm like, gosh, that's weird. But, I mean, we're all the same way, right? But we have scripture. We have stories after stories where, where God goes with and does impossible things through normal people. And yet, we still don't respond the way he wants us to respond. Right? 
So Gideon still needs proof. Right? He's still not convinced. And over the course of the next chapter, God continues to drop grace bombs on Gideon to prove that he is with him. Right? So he drops five grace bombs on Gideon to prove that God's going to go with him. The first is in chapter 6, verse 20 through 22. It says this. It says, The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. God creates fire out of nothing. Right, that's the first grace bomb. It's the first sign that God, the first grace bomb God drops on Gideon is this, this fire. It's like, I can do this to prove to you that I'm going to be with you. And yet still, Gideon still doesn't believe. So God does another sign in verse 31 of chapter 6 when his dad bails him out. Right? Um, Sorry, we backtrack to verse uh, 25 for a second. It says, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's hair herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God, on the top of its height. Then in verse uh, 31, it says, but Joash, who's Gideon's father, replied to, replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's case? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. Baal really is a god. He can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. Right, so God tells Gideon to tear down this, this idol that's, that's, that's been built among the Israelites. The Israelite people are still not on board with this whole idea, right? Um, even though they're still asking God for help, they don't like what they need to do to get the help. They're still not on board with who Gideon is and what he's telling them to do. So God tells him to tear down this idol. Obviously, the people are very mad. They're very upset that he did this. But his dad comes and bails him out. One thing that caught my, caught my eye in this story is that when does Gideon cut down the altar? Read the story. When does he do it? Like, this is in the middle of the night. Like, he doesn't go in the middle of the day when everyone's awake to cut down the altar. He goes in the middle of the night. Right, he goes incognito, right? Because he doesn't, he's not confident yet enough in God, what God's telling him. Same thing with us, right? The first time we drop a grace bomb on somebody, it could be a simple act of putting an extra tip to the server we eat at the restaurant, right? Or, or buying the food for the person behind us in the drive through line, okay? We do it incognito. It's just really easy to do that, I mean, besides losing some money, right? There's no face-to-face conversation. There, there's nothing else there. You're already there, so you're just going to do it. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? God, God honors those, but that's just kind of tipping your toes in the sea of being a grace bomber, right? God's trying to change you through those actions but we can't be dipping our toes forever, right? So Gideon dips his toes. He cuts down, the, cuts down the idol in the middle of the night. 
His dad bails him out because the people of Israel wanted to, wanted to kill Gideon for doing that. His dad basically says, hey, if, if Baal is so strong, let him come save himself. So that's the second grace bomb. The third grace bomb is, is the fleece in, in chapter 6, 36 through 40. It says, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel, which he's still saying if, uh, by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, he's still not convinced, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Gideon's still not convinced. He was continuing to ask God to show him signs. Right? We, we, we might laugh. We do the same thing. Hey, God tells us to go do something. We don't do it. God might put the same exact person in your path the next day. Nah, I still don't believe you. The next day, he's going to put the same person in your path. Right? He's going to continue to do that until you respond, until you're obedient to what he's telling you to do. Same thing with Gideon. Gideon's like, eh, I kind of starting to believe you. Maybe not. Do this for me. Uh, not yet. Do this for me. And God does it both. He's continually trying to build up his confidence in, in in, in who he is and who he's, what he's going to do through Gideon. Well, then we get to Judges 7, 8. And it says, so God basically, basically he starts, Gideon starts with 32,000 men who are going to fight the Midianites. And, and we, if we all remember the story, he cuts it down to 300 through various amounts of ways. But in chapter 7, verse 8, it says, so Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. So he starts with 32,000, an army of 32,000, and he whittles it down to 300. Why does God do that? So when the Israelites win, they don't take credit for doing it themselves. Right? God uses a small number of 300 to defeat the large Midianite army. So the Israelites recognized that this was God who gave them into his hand, right? Not, not their own power. God wants to do the same thing with us. When we grace bomb people, it is not us doing the work. It's him using us to do the work. The last grace bomb is the dream before the battle. So in Judges 7, 13 through 15, it said, Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Gideon finally gets it. He finally is like, all right, God's with us now, right? Because of a dream. Again, if you look back through scripture, how often does God speak to his people in dreams, right? And I think God still will talk to us the same way if we're in tune to his voice. If we're seeking his voice, God can still use dreams to speak to us. 
So God had to drop five grace bombs on Gideon for him to realize that, hey, you need to do what I'm telling you to do. So he might not give you a sign of fire or reveal himself to you in a dream, but rest assured he's going to speak to you if you're listening for his voice. He has already dropped the greatest grace bomb of all on us with the cross. Now we have to respond and drop grace bombs on other people. And he wants us to do that, and we're going to be successful if we do this. There's three promises we find in Scripture about being Christ followers. The first is you, is you are mighty. Just like the angel of the Lord called Gideon mighty in, in Judges 6.12, we have the same might available to us. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 28 says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Right? No one's too small. No one's too weak. Not one of us is too insignificant to play a part in this story. We all have gifts, we all have talents, we all have skills that God's given us. We have to be able to use them because we're mighty. The second is you are sent. John 20 through 21 says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Right? We're sent. God sends us to drop grace bombs on people. Right? The last word Jesus said before he sent into heaven was go, make disciples. We are sent people. We have to walk out of these doors and live that way and show people love through how we treat them. And the last is you got numbers. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Right? Simple reminder. I said it already. We're not alone. God goes with us. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to be obedient to his word and to his calling. And when he tells us to drop grace bombs on people. And right, he's already prepared the way for you to be successful. So the challenge is go, right? Overcome the fear. God will continue to give you opportunities, right? If you, if you miss an opportunity this week, don't get discouraged and go, gosh, I screwed that one up. It's okay, right? God's not gonna forget that you wanna do his work. Just be in tune for the next opportunity and respond. If you miss two opportunities, that's fine. He's going to give you another opportunity, right? God's never going to forget us, right? He's never going to leave us. He's never going to say, I'm done with you if we continue to miss these opportunities to grace bomb people. Just continually be obedient to it. Continually listen to his voice. We got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. All right, so if you have to start by dipping your toes in the water, that's fine. 
right? If that's uncomfortable for you, that's great. Do that as many times as you feel called, right? But eventually, we got to start cannonballing people. Right? We got to start just jumping in into this idea of grace bombing people. The thing I love about this clip, besides one of the greatest movies ever, is the splash zone. Right? It gets multiple people. And here's what I've learned about grace bombing people is that I might be called to grace bomb one person. I don't know the ripple effect or the splash effect that that's going to have on other people in their, li- in their life. We have no idea what one simple conversation, how that it might affect that person's family. So we have to be brave. We have to overcome our fear. We have to cannonball people. We have to drop grace bombs and trust when God tells us to do that. And just remember, as Pat said last week, grace built people, grace bombed people. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We're thankful for who you are in our lives, Lord God. We thank you for opportunities that we have to be a part of your story, to be, you could do it. You don't need us, Lord God. You could do all this without us, but you want to use us. So, Lord, we need to be obedient. We need to to eventually be like Gideon and realize you're going to go with us. You've already prepared the way for us to to show your love, to show your grace, Lord God. So I just pray for for everyone in here. We just pray for strength, Lord God. When when you call us to go grace bomb somebody, Lord God, that, that we're obedient this week, that if it's, if it's the first time we've ever done it, Lord God, and we're just, we're just dipping our toes in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the pool, Lord God, that we do that. Lord, but eventually we become a people and a church, Lord God, who's not afraid to, to cannonball people with your grace, Lord God, to, to drop the bombs, Lord God, and to trust, Lord God, into your calling, into your word. Lord, we love you. Help us to continually just um, to rest assured in your word. It's in your name I pray.